back in college I had some friends who wore t-shirts which said John 3.16 He did it And I had no idea what John 3.16 was um, I knew it was something Bible-y and Jesus-y But I had no idea what it said And so I said Who did what? Said, they said Brad John 3.16 uh-huh. So for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son to the end that all who believe in Him... Sorry, King James. That all who believe in Him um, should may not perish but have eternal life. I thought, okay, lovely, thank you. Now I know what that means. Um, and really, He did it? That's your commentary on John 3.16? Um, so I found out a couple of things. One, I don't really like that t-shirt. Um... <laughs> And two, I found out that um, John 3.16 was something of a quintessential Christian passage. If you know John 3.16, then you're Jesus-y enough for anyone. It's everywhere. It's on billboards and sports stadiums and Tim Tebow's cheeks. John 3.16 is it's this favorite passage to sum up Christianity and to let everyone know about the love of God. And so I'm wondering why in the world we're hearing about this in the middle of Lent. Supposed to be doing gloom right now. Um, well, just after John 3.16, we have John uh, 3.17 to 20, which deals with God's judgment on those who love darkness more than light, which sounds much more like ah, the Lent we're used to. So, enough love. We're here to hear about God's judgment. Except that God's love involves judgment. God's love is expressed in judgment and mercy. In our reading from Numbers today, we have a story in which Israel sinned against God, so God punished them, sending serpents to attack them. And then, they cry to the Lord, and God gives them a way out. Notice He doesn't remove the serpents. The judgment remains. But He gives them a way out. And He has Moses make a bronze serpent and lift it up on top of a stick, and whenever anyone, the serpent bit someone, all that person had to do was to look at the bronze serpent, and that person would live. It was a matter of faith, of remembering God and trusting in God. I mean, that's not supposed to work. You don't stare at a statue of a bronze serpent and suddenly you're better. But it was an act of faith, of trusting in God, which was what the people were having a hard time doing in the first place. So God showed judgment and mercy. In Ephesians, we read that the Ephesians and we were dead through our trespasses. Paul did not say, well, we're doing just fine with maybe a little bit of chastisement here and there through your trespasses. No, Paul said, you were dead through your trespasses. And yet, by grace you have been saved. Judgment and mercy are mingled together. In the Gospel reading then too, we hear of God's judgment and mercy. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him may not perish but have eternal life. John 3.16 We have mercy. And then a couple of verses later, and this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. Judgment. My wife's been leading a study of C.S. Lewis, the Chronicle of Narnia. 
for the last several weeks and she reminded me of a particular scene from the third book, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, in which a young boy, Eustace, is turned into a dragon. Now, Eustace had been rather terribly annoying and actually kind of awful to everyone um, that he knew, his cousins and everyone in the book. He'd been rather horrible up to this point. And then he becomes a dragon because he gets greedy and takes some of the dragon's treasure. Uh, fantasy book, by the way, if you haven't read it. Um, takes some of the dragon's treasure and becomes a dragon. He's none too pleased with this, um, but everyone else there starts to feel rather sorry for him at this point. He starts to feel rather sorry for himself. And he begins having a bit of a change of heart. And shortly thereafter, Aslan, who is a lion and the Jesus figure in these books, Aslan de-dragons Eustace. And he turns him back into a boy. And to do this, Aslan claws away at the dragon skin. A painful process. Piercing down even to Eustace's heart. And afterwards, C.S. Lewis writes... It would be nice and fairly true to say that from this time, Eustace was a different boy. To be strictly accurate, he began to be a different boy. He had relapses. There were still many days when he could be very tiresome. But most of those I shall not notice. The cure had begun. This would be a fairly accurate statement for all followers of Jesus. God has forgiven our sins. We've been washed clean and brought from darkness to light. We also have relapses. But the cure has begun. We all have light and darkness in us. We're never without the darkness. And we often sink back into the darkness. But we also have light within us and love within us. And love overcomes the darkness. Now our reading from John today puts the darkness and light into stark, contrasting terms. There are those who love the darkness, and there are those who love the light. This stark contrast made me think of all of the political wrangling that we've been hearing for the last several months, and will continue for the last next several months. Thank God for elections. Um, I mean, honestly, we're glad for elections, just not so much the political wrangling. Candidates... For the last several months and up until November, they've been painting their opponents as pure evil and the embodiment of all that is wrong with America. And then they describe themselves as the one perfect cure for all that ails America. Rather ridiculous. In reality, of course, all of the candidates have some good things about them and all the candidates have some bad things about them. But when describing opposites, we tend to think in these stark black and white terms. Well, on the one hand, we need to call out evil for what it is. And we should also be aware that there is some good in people we would call evil. And that all of us also have some evil within us. Even as followers of Christ, none of us love the dark, the light completely. None of us loves the darkness completely. We all love varying degrees of both darkness and light. As followers of Jesus, few of us are silly enough to think that there is no darkness within us. And even when we're totally honest with ourselves, we might realize that, to a certain extent, we love a little of the darkness too. Does this mean, then, 
that if we have some darkness within us, and if we even love some of that darkness within us, that we love darkness more than light because our deeds are evil. No. The fact that we have some darkness within us and that we love some of the darkness within us means that the cure has begun and we have relapses. Our challenge, even with darkness within us, is to love the light and to come to the light so that our deeds may be exposed. Now, with this, our evil deeds would be exposed right along with our good deeds, and that sounds an awful lot more like the lint we're all used to. It sounds like a rather frightening proposition, having our de- evil deeds exposed. Like Eustace being de-dragoned in the voyage of the Don Treader, having our evil deeds exposed by the light of Christ can be painful. It is, however, a good kind of pain. It is a cleansing pain, and one which should not be avoided. Fear of God, due to our evil deeds, need not keep us from the light, because we know that we are not wholly evil. There is darkness within us. I would say we're not even mostly evil. There is darkness within us, but there's also an awful lot of light within us. We need not fear coming into that light, because God loves us. As we have seen in today's readings, God's love involves judgment, rather scary proposition at times, but it is judgment mixed with mercy. God did not come into the world to condemn the world, for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son so that everyone who believes in Him may not perish but have eternal life. Amen.